Welcome to the Gospel Center Pro-Life Podcast. Being on the sidewalk at an abortion center is really a battle. And I think it's important that we put on the armor of God. Join me as I teach through putting on the whole armor of God. Stay tuned. I felt your passion, touched your heart. Welcome to the Gospel-Centered Pro-Life Podcast. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Today, it's just me, and uh, hopefully this this episode will be pretty short. I'm going to be focusing on the armor of God and just kind of give you guys maybe a sneak peek into how I prepare for ministry on the sidewalk. I know different folks prepare in different ways, but we always talk about preparation and talk about how you know you can't give what you don't have. And the people that we encounter at the abortion center, they need Jesus. They need the Lord. They need a vital relationship with Jesus. And uh, we can't give that if we don't have it. So one of the things I would say by the way of preparation, first and foremost, is you need to have a relationship with Jesus. And I trust that you guys who are listening to this podcast, you have a relationship with the Lord. You love the Lord. You know him. But we also have to be intentional about cultivating our relationship with Jesus. So we need to be ourselves in prayer. We need to be in the word ourselves. Even before we are going to the abortion center, before we even consider going to the abortion center, we need to have the word of God in us. That doesn't mean we need to have it all figured out perfectly and all the theological aspects that that can be known that we need to know them. I'm not saying that, but we do need to have a solid foundation in the word of God. We need to have a, a solid foundation in a relationship with God because, again, you can't give what you don't have. And so as far as preparation is concerned, that's the most important preparation, right? That we are in our relationship with the Lord, consistent in our walk with Him, um, that we are in prayer and in the Word and in fellowship with other believers. I think that's a that's a vital part of preparing our hearts for ministry is that we ourselves are being ministered to, obviously, in our relationship with the Lord, and He ministers to us through His Word, but ministered to in the congregation, in the assembly of the saints. Like we need people sowing into our lives, pastors, leaders that are speaking the truth to us on a regular basis, just like we need our daily bread in the Word of God. We need regular fellowship with other believers that can, number one, hold us accountable if we start getting off the rails in some ways, and that can encourage us. That's really what God's intention is with the body of Christ as we're in the assembly of the saints is accountability and encouragement. And so that's a that's a strong encouragement that I have for you guys as far as preparation is concerned and ministering out of a relationship with the Lord and also out of a relationship with other believers. Uh, but I want to talk about the armor of God and putting on the armor of God. We're prayed up. We know the Lord. We're in his word. Praise God for that. Um, But there's sometimes when I'm just very intentional, and and some of you guys may be listening to this and you think what I'm going to share is maybe a little weird, a little, I don't know, maybe a little um, super spiritual, a little charismatic or whatever. And that's fine. I believe it's biblical. So I'm I'm willing to, to have people misunderstand what I'm doing and all of that. But, you know, Dude, I'm, I'm a hands-on guy. You can tell me all day long. 
you can uh, talk and, you know, I like to listen to preaching and listen to books and all that stuff, but to really get it in me, I've got to do it. I've got to even act it out sometimes. I know one of the most helpful things for me to be able to learn to do anything is to watch somebody. I watch YouTube videos all the time. If I want to learn how to repair something around my house, I'll watch a YouTube video about it. You know, I'll read an article about it or something like that, but it's like, I got to see it done. And then I got to get my hands on it myself. And in the same way, you know, as we're talking about being spiritually prepared and even talking about putting on the armor of God, I get really um, uh, into it, I guess, to, to say. I'll be riding down the road, just kind of cue you in on what I'm talking about. As I'm headed to the abortion center, I'll be riding down the road and praying through the armor of God. And I don't do this every time I go to the abortion center, but uh, I try to be intentional about it, especially on the days where I know it'll be intense, like on Saturdays out here at the uh, Latrobe Abortion Center in Charlotte. There's a lot of pro-abortion opposition and a lot of things that can just, that can happen. Even some uh, really not nice police officers that are out here. Most of them are pretty nice, but some of them are, are not so nice. So just a lot of spiritual warfare, a lot of stuff going on. So I like to be intentional, especially on Saturdays, putting on the armor of God. And uh, like I said, I'll, I'll do it physically, like praying through and putting on the helmet of salvation. So I'm going to, I guess, kind of give you guys a glimpse into what it might look like in my vehicle on the way to the abortion center, because that's how it is. And I know there are probably people at the stoplight um, while I'm there going down the road and stopping at the stoplight. People look over at me like I'm some weirdo doing some weird gestures with my hands. But to me, it helps me because I'm that kind of guy. I'm the hands-on kind of guy. And so as I'm praying through, certainly I'm praying through the scriptures, but uh, I'm physically like kind of in, in, in a, an emotion of putting on my helmet or even the sword of the spirit, you know, I'm grabbing my sword <laughs> and as I'm just uh, praying through these different aspects of the armor of God, I'm doing physical gestures and things like that that help me to get into it and embrace the realities that the scripture speaks of. And so I'm going to read real quick this uh, scripture in Ephesians chapter six, well-known passage of scripture. Many of you guys, maybe you do exactly what I'm talking about, and you put on the armor of God, and you like, I heard some people say that they, they stand in the mirror and they do this, and okay, great, praise God for that, but uh, maybe you have no idea what I'm talking about, and maybe you've just kind of looked at this scripture as, I don't know, just one of those things that you teach kids about putting on the armor of God and Sunday school lessons and all that, but Paul, we have to understand, Paul was a man who faced intense opposition. Intense opposition from so-called Christians, from Jewish people, from Romans, from all kinds of directions, and, of course, from demons. This man was under intense spiritual attack a lot um, because he was advancing the kingdom of God. And listen, guys, understand that when you begin to advance the kingdom of God, there's going to be opposition. If there's no opposition then you need to check and see if what you're doing is actually of the Lord. If you're not receiving any opposition in your life, that doesn't mean you're going out and intentionally provoking people to make people angry at you. I'm not talking about that. Uh, But I'm talking about opposition that comes because you're standing for righteousness. If you don't have any of that, then you might need to check whether or not you're standing for righteousness. Because if you're going against the principles of this world, Jesus said, if they hated me, then they will hate you also. The servant is not greater than the master. If they hated the master, then they're going to hate you too. 
Again, that's not us trying to be unnecessarily provocative and get people to hate us just to make ourselves feel more spiritual or something like that. That'd be really a perversion of what I'm talking about. But when you stand for righteousness, the world is going to stand against you and is not going to like you in certain areas. And so we we need to have the armor of God on. And again, Paul, the apostle, knew this very well, receiving opposition from all angles, from all sides. And, uh, and of course, that spiritual dynamic. And he talks about that here as he shares with us in Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10. Paul, the apostle, says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, against the trickery of the devil. The wiles of the devil. If you think about wiles, I think about Wiley Coyote. Back in the the Merry Melodies, Looney Tunes cartoons, he was always going after the Roadrunner, and uh, he was named Wiley Coyote because of his wiles, right? He always set up traps, and of course those traps always backfired on him. Unfortunately for the enemy, he sets up traps, and a lot of times we fall right into them. We're not as sneaky as the Roadrunner. And so Paul is encouraging us to, to actually put on the armor of God so that we can stand against these wiles, so that the wily devil doesn't get us caught in his trap. And so that's what he's talking about here in verse 11. He goes on in verse 12, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. And so he's talking about the spiritual dynamic, that there are these demonic powers. And we always say abortion is the devil's pride and joy. We mean by that that this is something that the devil um, loves, right? He loves the destruction of the innocent. You look at the story of Moses and how the devil really um, stirred up, I believe, Pharaoh, ultimately to have the the sons of the children of Israel killed. And because he wanted to limit their population, he wanted to keep them from rising up and uh, and no longer being slaves, and so he killed them. Look at the time of Jesus and Herod, the king of Israel at that time, how he had those killed two years and younger around the time of Jesus because of um, the folks that told him that there was this, this king that was coming and that was actually ultimately going to take his throne, at least that was his fear. And so he kills those those children. And those are just two manifestations among many manifestations of the devil trying to destroy the innocent, trying to destroy the image of God. Really, that's what the, the devil is after. He can't, he can't hurt God. And so he tries to attack God in effigy. If you think about it, people do that to the United States of America. They do that to other countries and other leaders. They can't kill a leader. They can't destroy a country. And so they'll burn their flag in effigy or they'll burn a picture of that leader in effigy. Um, because it's symbolic of who they actually really want to hurt. And that's really what the devil does. He can't hurt the Lord, and so he tries to destroy the image of God. And uh, and certainly this thing, abortion, is the number one way that the devil does this. He does this through other means, through drugs and alcohol, sex trafficking, prostitution, all these other things that attack the image of God, that, that mar the image of God. The devil's involved in those things. But there is none more uh, atrocious than abortion because we kill so many. 17,000 babies are dying every week in the United States of America due to this one thing, abortion. 
And we share that tragic truth with the church so that people understand that we as the church need to stand against this evil. And when you, when you do stand against this evil, the devil's going to come and he's going to oppose you. And there's going to be these spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. So he's talking about the spiritual realm that are going to oppose you. Now, for some of you guys, this might sound a little weird. You, you've never really read a whole lot about spiritual warfare. And there's a lot of kookiness out there as it has to do with angels and demons. And, and people think that they can you know, re- release angels into this situation or that situation. Or they think that there's a demon behind every circumstance and behind every bush. And, and you know, I'm not getting into that. But if we deny the fact that there's a spiritual realm and that there's a spiritual battle, that there is a devil and that there are demons and yes, there are angels and there's a heavenly battle. You can read about it in Daniel chapter nine. I believe it's Daniel chapters nine and 10, where you see just a, a glimpse of that spiritual battle. And you see it all through scriptures, this, this common thread that there is this battle between light and darkness. If we deny that battle and we just think everything that, that is, is in the realm of the natural, then we deny a lot of the central truths of scripture. There is a spiritual battle. There is this kingdom of darkness that wants to advance and wants to blind the eyes of those um, who, who don't know the Lord and does blind their eyes and blinded our eyes at one point because we didn't know the Lord. So we have to understand there is a spiritual battle here. And I really do believe, and I don't just say this because I'm part of this ministry. I say it because I believe it's true that being on that front line at the abortion center is really the front line of the front line. There is spiritual warfare going on at a level that doesn't go on anywhere else in the world at the abortion clinics. These are places of sacrifice. These are places of death. These are places, again, where the image of God is destroyed on a massive scale. And of course, it grieves the heart of God and it delights the heart of the devil. And so they have, of course, um, or the enemy has these spiritual hosts of wickedness. The the, and again, I'm not going to get into all the hierarchy of demons and all these theories about that. But just know that there is a, um, there's a spiritual battle, and there's a kingdom of darkness, and there's a kingdom of light. And we, because we belong to Jesus, have put ourselves on the side of the kingdom of light by His grace and by His mercy. And so Paul in uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13, continuing on, says, therefore, this is the therefore, one man said, if you see therefore in scripture, you got to look back and see what it's there for. This therefore is there is because he just said, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and all these other things. So because we don't wrestle against fr- flesh and blood, but against principalities and, and rulers of darkness and all of that, take up the whole armor of God. Now, I think we, we can make a lot of this word whole, the whole armor of God. You can maybe say, well, people just put on a partial uh, covering of the armor of God. Maybe just you know, salvation is kind of what they focus on. It's just salvation and thank God he saved me and that's it. And that could be the case. Um, and I think he is encouraging us to put on this armor of God, this whole armor of God. He talks about it in Uh, chapter 6, verse 11, and he talks about it again here in verse 13. Because of that, take up the whole armor of God. So we shouldn't miss any of these pieces. I guess we could sum it up in that. We need to have all of these things, not just focus on one aspect. That you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. So if you want to stand, put on the armor of God. Verse 14, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth. So 
real quick, I, I'm a, and I do want to break down, it's the main point of this podcast, is I want to break down how I pray through these different aspects of the armor of God. And so here he first mentions this, uh, this belt of truth, or some people, it says right here, gird your waist with truth. Okay, we're, we're talking about a belt here. And physically, if we're looking at armor, and quite likely, uh, Paul's speaking from the perspective of the, of the Roman guards and the Roman soldiers and what they wore. If you have a belt, what does a belt do? Of course, in this day and age, and some folks don't wear a belt. It's unfortunate because you see their pants hanging around their ankles. It holds your pants up, right? But you could really say, in a sense, it, it's the centerpiece. It's the it's at the center of your body um, from head to toe, right? It really ties everything together. And understanding this aspect is I'm putting on the belt of truth. I'll be praying, Lord, I put on your truth. God, I believe that your word is true. And I believe that your truth holds all things together. And so, Lord, I put on this belt of truth because I know the enemy's going to speak lies. He's going to try to speak lies against me. He's going to try to speak lies against God's people. He's going to try to speak lies against those babies that are scheduled to die. He's already spoken lies. He's spoken lies into the hearts of these moms. And so, Lord, I know because the devil has spoken lies, I need to put on the belt of truth that I myself cannot be a deceiver. I myself cannot be a manipulator. I need to be serious about bringing your truth. And so, Lord, I put on the belt of truth. And so that's how I'll be praying through. As I'm talking about, again, these different aspects of the armor of God. And so put on the belt of truth. And it says, goes on in verse 14, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, this is awesome. This breastplate of righteousness. And you probably, as I said that, already have a picture in your mind of a breastplate. You've seen Roman soldiers. Maybe you've seen um, passion plays and stuff as Roman soldiers are involved in that, of course, and other aspects. You've seen maybe the movie Gladiator or some other movies where folks have these these breastplates on. It's it's a, it's a it's armor, right? It's it's metal, whatever metal it's made out of, probably iron or bronze or something like that that it would be made of in those times. Um, this breastplate of righteousness. The picture here is that we have righteousness. Listen, guys, this this notion, this idea that the children of God that we're just uh, sinners saved by grace, that we're just we're worms and we're dirt and we, we have no value in the sight of God is not true according to the Scripture. Now, in and of ourselves, yes, we are worms. <laughs> in and of ourselves, our righteousness, it is filthy rags. That's a reality. However, in Christ, we have the righteousness of God. The Bible says that God made him, this is Second um, Corinthians 5, 21, it says that God made him who knew no sin, that's Jesus, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And so if you're a child of God, you have righteousness. You are righteous. Now, that righteousness is not a self-righteousness. You're not righteous because you're so wonderful and so good and you've chosen to do everything right. No, you're righteous because of the righteousness of Christ. And when we talk about the breastplate of righteousness, understanding that we're putting on the righteousness of Christ. Now, we already have the righteousness of Christ, but we're making a conscious acknowledgement that the righteousness of Christ is our guard, right? And that's really what he's talking about. You think about what does a breastplate do? Well, it protects all of your vital organs, right? It protects your heart. It protects your lungs. It protects your liver, your kidneys, even all of the, the vital organs that if somebody was to pierce those things, you would die very quickly. And I think in particular, 
This helps us to guard our hearts. Because really, again, the enemy is going to speak lies. And there's going to be people, as you go out to the abortion center and you minister, that's going to speak things against you. Mom's going in who are going to say, you're just judging me. And all these things that are just not true. You're a liar. You're a manipulator or whatever. These people are going to throw accusations. And these things can really pierce your heart. And they can really cause you to doubt your calling and, 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 and doubt what you're even doing out there. So you have to put on the breastplate of righteousness to guard your heart. And so I'll do that again physically. I'll say, Lord, I put on the breastplate of righteousness. I acknowledge that my righteousness comes from you, that I am right in the sight of God because of what Jesus Christ has done. And I trust that righteousness to guard my heart from all of the stuff that the enemy wants to bring against me. And so, I'm again, I'm putting on that breastplate of righteousness. Now, in all of these, I'm sure I could expound more and break it down more. I'm sure there's been a lot better Bible teachers than me that have broken down these different pieces of the armor of God, people that know historically all the ins and outs. I knew some of that stuff, but I'm sure you can find better teaching. But I'm just kind of giving you guys, here's how I pray through. Here's how I think this through. So he talks again in verse 14 about the breastplate of righteousness. He goes on in verse 15 saying, Having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. These shoes that we're supposed to shod our feet with or we're supposed to cover our feet with are so important. The preparation of the gospel of peace. Listen, guys, this is a gospel ministry. We are not pro-life activists. People call me that. You're a pro-life protester, activist. No, I'm not. I'm a, I'm a minister of the gospel. I just so happen to do it at an abortion clinic. That's where the Lord has called me to. So that's where I do it at. And we have to understand that our motivation needs to be bringing the gospel. If you're motivated because you, you feel like you're called to be some kind of pro-life activist or something like that, I believe you're, I believe you're coming short of the intention of God. I believe you're, you're selling yourself short and you're selling God short. This thing is not just about ending abortion and saving babies. This is about bringing the gospel to people that don't know God, to people who are in darkness, who are under these the, the power of these spiritual hosts of wickedness that Paul talks about there in verse 12. And so we've got to have, have our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, that we are coming to bring the gospel. And I'll simply just say, if you don't know how to share the gospel— you ought to know how to share the gospel. And I think we've said it time and time again, Vicki and I both, that if you don't know how to share the gospel, look at Ray Comfort's stuff. He has stuff on YouTube. He has, I mean, I'd say probably hundreds, thousands of videos of him sharing the gospel with people one-on-one. He's even got a training course, The Way of the Master, where he shares with you how to share the gospel effectively, how to do it biblically. You need to be prepared to share the gospel. Quite possibly, many of you that are listening are, but if you're not, Get prepared to share the gospel. We've done podcasts about that, how we share the gospel at abortion centers. But there's all kinds of stuff out there that you can listen to, that you can take advantage of. Listen to Hell's Best Kept Secret by Ray Comfort. That is a, I mean, when you get saved, I think it should be like a requirement. Everybody listens to that message, Hell's Best Kept Secret, when they get saved, so that they can understand the motivation behind sharing the gospel, how to share the gospel biblically and effectively. Understanding that we're out there not just to end abortion, not just to save babies, and I don't want to minimize that. Saving babies is is obviously very important. It's, it's why we're there in the sense that they're killing babies inside of there. But our ultimate motivation, our ultimate ministry, I guess I would say, is, is bringing the gospel. When the gospel changes the heart of a mother, abortion is no longer an option for her, right? 
And so he goes on after he talks about feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And he says here in verse 16, above all, taking the shield of faith, taking the shield of faith, this shield of faith. And, and, and what is it faith in? Faith in our own ability, faith in how smart we are, how, how we can um, do apologetics very well. We've studied apologetics or whatever. No, that's not what our faith is in. Our faith has to be in the Lord. And our faith has to be in the word of God. Listen to what he says. He says, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. I talked a little bit about these these wiles of the devil, these fiery darts, these things that the enemy tries to fling at you. The devil wants these fiery darts to pierce your heart. He wants them to penetrate um, your body so that these fiery darts ultimately catch you in flames. Right to, to torment you, to cause you problems, ultimately to neutralize you from the battle. Listen, if the devil can't do anything but just make you doubt and, 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 and not have confidence in the Lord and not have confidence in his truth, he'll be happy to do that just to neutralize you from the battle. But we've got to uphold this shield of faith. What does the Bible tell us? Faith is the substance. This is Hebrews chapter 11. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith, and it goes on to say, by faith we believe that God created the world. These these things that we believe, and look at the men and women of God in in the Bible, but also in the history of, of the church. These are people that upheld the shield of faith. They believed God, not just things about God, but they actually believed God. They put their trust in the Lord. Now, the basis of our trust in the Lord is his word. That's why I say we need to be in his word. This, this shield of faith is, is basically crafted by as, as much as we trust in the Lord, the more we trust in God through his word, the, the thicker our shield gets, so to speak. So you got to be getting the word in you. I really encourage you, be listening to, to messages, to preachers that are preaching from the Bible, but also obviously being in the scripture, listening to the scripture. Getting the word of God in you so that when the enemy comes, and I've seen this happen a lot where I get accusations, the pro-abortion people here in Charlotte, they've said some pretty just nasty things about me, about my family, about my kids, all this other stuff. And they'll bring an accusation. Again, they're just a mouthpiece for the devil. My battle's not against them. It's against the devil. And so I know that they're a mouthpiece for him. And when I... um oppose what they say, I'm opposing what the, what the enemy's speaking through them. So they might say things like, and I've, I've heard them say this, you're a horrible dad. How in the world could you ever bring your kids out here? Because I brought bring my kids out sometimes. and uh, Or when I don't bring my kids out, they've told me, you're a horrible dad. Leave your kids at home alone, which obviously they're not. They're just bringing false accusations. But I'll hold that shield of faith and say, no, by faith, God has changed my heart. His word is in me by faith. I'm a good father. I've taken the principles of God's word by his grace and applied them to my family. So I combat that lie. And I, I will even directly um, contradict their lies when they speak them. I'm intentional about it. They say I'm this. I'll say, nope, the word of God says I'm this. So I'm upholding that shield of faith, but I'm also wielding the sword of the spirit, which we'll talk about in just a second. But understanding that the shield of faith, it, it, is, it is thickened by our trust in the Lord and us knowing him. You can't trust somebody that you don't know, right? So we need to be in God's word. 
uh, really strengthening our faith in him as we get to know him more and more. And then we'll be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. His fiery darts, as he flings them at us, the words and other things that come against us will be quenched, extinguished um, by the shield of faith. Praise the Lord. All right, verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation, the helmet of salvation. And I, this is probably as I'm praying through, I'll probably start with that piece. I kind of st- start from the head and work my way down. It's kind of how I pray through. It's not necessarily the order that it's given here in the scripture, but I pray through in this way because it just helps me to engage my mind more. And so I pray, Lord, I put on the helmet of salvation. Salvation belongs to you, O Lord, but you've given salvation to me because of what Jesus Christ has accomplished for me. And so I put this helmet of salvation on. And what what does a helmet do? It guards your head. And so the breastplate of righteousness, it guards your heart from stuff sinking into your your emotions and just messing things up emotionally. But the devil wants to get into your head, too. The lies of the enemy, they want to seek into your head. They want to sink themselves into your head. And so this helmet of salvation is really helpful in keeping those lies out. And so there may be some lies that are spoken against us that, you know, you're not a good Christian. How can, how in the world could you judge me like this? Because, you you know, obviously you're not a good Christian and, and, and this and that and all these lies and accusations that come. It's like, well, I'm not a good Christian in my own strength. But by God's grace, he saved me. He's given me his Holy Spirit and so by his grace, I, I, I'm a believer in Jesus. His salvation has been given to me, and I am a good Christian because of what he's done in my heart, because of how he's transformed me. Again, salvation is not ours. I don't possess salvation. No, the Lord possesses me, and therefore I have salvation in the sense that I can look toward, even now I am saved, and I can look toward the ultimate salvation of the Lord. So I put on this helmet of salvation in confidence that the Lord's word is true, that those that put their trust in him will be saved. And I stand against the lies and the wiles of the enemy and all the things that he wants to use to kind of pierce my mind and say, nope, I belong to the Lord. And that's really this helmet of salvation. Think about it in battle. The helmet oftentimes will have, even think about it in terms of modern sports. Think about football when they have on a helmet. What's, What's on their helmet? Their team, right? their team, their, the colors of their team, their logo of their team, shows what team they belong to. This helmet of salvation shows what team we belong to. We belong to the, to the Lord's team, right? We belong to the Lord's army. And oftentimes, armies will have on their helmets certain designs and things like that that indicate what, what army they're a part of. And this really does establish for us um, our confidence in the Lord. We belong to Him because of His salvation. And then he says here in verse 17, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. This is our this is our weapon. All these other things are protective gear: the shield, you know, the helmet, the breastplate, the belt of truth, the, the feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. These these shoes of the gospel of peace. But this sword, the sword of the spirit, it's our weapon. It's our offensive weapon to come against the enemies. We're not just called to be passive. We're not just called to be peacekeepers. We're, we're called to be peacemakers. The difference between peacekeepers and peacemakers is passivity. A peacekeeper is just somebody who's there, just you know, making sure things are going right. And uh, if things don't go so right, 
typically a peacekeeper is going to going to hit the road, right? They're just a presence. They're just a warm body. A peacemaker is someone who's actively going out and making peace. Where there is no peace, they want to bring the peace of God, not through brute force, but through proclamation, as far as we're concerned, proclamation of the gospel, proclamation of the truth of who God is. And so we can wield this sword of the Spirit. Just understand, guys, we're not called just to be passive. I see people, and I've seen scenarios in which people are on the sidewalks at their abortion center, and they're just kind of passive, just kind of hoping that people might come along and maybe take a piece of literature from them. Somebody might come along and maybe engage in a conversation with them. They're just making themselves available to be there. And listen, I, I appreciate what they're doing. But listen, we need to be active. We need to be on the offensive. When we see women going into the abortion center, we don't need to just suggest that they might want to come over and talk to us or suggest that they maybe want to take a piece of literature as they're pulling into the the driveway of the abortion center. No, we need to be confident. We need to be wielding the sword of the Spirit. Hey, please come over and talk with me. Hey, I have information for you. What I've got to say is very important. Please come over here. This is part of this mindset of wielding the sword of the Spirit. You know, the Apostle Paul didn't just kind of float around on a boat somewhere and maybe wherever he ended up, he might share the gospel. No, this guy had a mission in mind and where God sent him, he went and he was very proactive, not passive, very proactive about sharing the gospel. This offensive tool, the sword of the spirit, Paul wielded it wherever he went in whatever scenario he was given, whether it be to Gentiles or to Jews. He would wield the sword of the Spirit. He would be speaking the truth of God's Word. And that's what we need to be doing as well out there on the sidewalk. We need to be active. We need to be peacemakers, not just peacekeepers. We need to be standing and wielding the sword of the Spirit. Listen, bring your Bible to the abortion clinic. People might think that's a little weird, a little, you know, street preachery or whatever. Who cares? We need to have the Word of God in us. We need to have a copy of the Word of God in our hands. There's times where a man who's, it's happened to me several times, a man out in front of the abortion center, he's just milling around in the parking lot. I got my Bible in my hand. Say, hey man, come over and talk to me. I want to share some scripture with you. Listen, these these people, many of them are spiritually hungry, even though they don't realize it. And you start sharing the word of God, and I've gotten in some pretty in-depth conversations, broken down some pretty complex theological truths with men and women at the abortion center. And I got my Bible there. I really think, listen, maybe I'm old school, I'm 41 years old, so I don't think I'm that old, but <laughs> I'm kind of old school in this way is that I hate reading the Bible on my phone. I think it's, uh, I don't like it. I don't think it's as good as if we have our Bible, physical Bible, and even when we're out there on the sidewalk, having a physical Bible you can open up to and show people what the Bible says, what the scripture says, I think it's a very powerful way uh, to share the truth of God's word in that context. So I want to encourage you guys just with this, and hopefully this was a blessing to you. Went actually a little longer than I thought it would, um, but you know, as always, I want to encourage you guys to reach out to me, um, Daniel at LoveLife.org. I'd love to just encourage you along. I'd love to get you plugged in. Maybe you want to get trained to do sidewalk ministry. These past couple of podcasts that we've been doing about training have been really focused on the training that we do once a month, first Saturday of the month, and we've kind of taken each of those slides that we share in that training and broken them down and kind of get a little more in depth with those. And that's what this was. As we talk about preparation in one of our slides, we talk about preparation, spiritual warfare and putting on the armor of God. And that's what this, this podcast was designed to do to help you and and encourage you and equip you to equip yourself as you put on the armor of God. So I hope it was a blessing to you. I hope you'll reach out to me. Let me know, maybe some suggestions for other podcasts, other episodes that you might have, um, 
in your mind and, and maybe things that we can cover, subjects that we can cover. Please share this podcast. Please encourage other people um, with the podcast. And until next time, God bless. Nothing's too precious since I met you